this is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Hey, my name is Rick Houston, and you had best get ready, because this is going to be one heck of a glorious, white-knuckled, God-fearing, spun-out, and half-turned-over racing story. Saddle up. Normally, I'm a pretty easy-going guy. I like give and take. I like discussion. Sometimes, I even like to argue just to argue. But that being said, I do have a few opinions when it comes to NASCAR history that are absolutely, positively written in stone. At least in my mind. Here's one. Ricky Rudd and not Davey Allison won at Sears Point in 1991. Ricky got hosed on that one. He was going for the win and used a little bit of bumper. Nothing more, nothing less. Not sure about that one? Try this one on for size. Regan Smith and not Tony Stewart won at Talladega in 2008. Yellow line, I don't like that rule in general, and darn sure not on the last lap. When the checkered flag is about to fly, almost anything goes. Don't wreck anybody, but go for the win. That's exactly what Regan did, and he got penalized. They are saying Tony Stewart has won the race. Tony Stewart is the official winner here at Talladega. They would not allow that pass below the yellow line. But here's the big There's no discussion about this one. When it comes to stats and the record book, right is right and wrong is wrong. Bobby Allison has 85 career wins at the cup level and not the 84 that he's officially credited with. There. I said it, and I'm not taking it back either. You've probably heard some vague reference to this particular controversy at some point in the past, but here are the facts. On August 6th, 1971, Bobby Allison won the Myers Brothers 250 at the famous Bowman Gray Stadium in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Richard Petty started from the pole and led the first 112 laps before giving way to Bobby, who led the final 138 circuits. Bobby beat Richard to the checkered flag by about three seconds. They were the only two cars on the lead lap at the end of the race. Bobby won. There's no discussion about it. Yet today, there's officially no winner of that event. At the time, NASCAR had what was known as the Grand American Tour for smaller, sportier cars. And because some short track races were having trouble coming up with full field, NASCAR allowed Grand American cars to compete in Grand National events. The Grand National Division became the Winston Cup Series the following year, in 1972. Today, it's known as the NASCAR Cup Division. And the fact of the matter is that Grand American cars dominated the race at Bowman Gray. Twelve of the top 16 finishers were in Grand American cars, including six of the top seven. Only runner-up Richard Petty's Grand National Plymouth prevented the sweep. 
But here's the thing. It was a Grand National race. It's right there in the record book. Bobby is credited with top five and top ten finishes in that event, but not the victory. Some of you out there listening are probably thinking, okay, so what? That race took place 50 years ago on a dinky little old quarter-mile short track. If you think that Bowman Gray Stadium is nothing more than a dinky little old quarter-mile short track, you've obviously never been to the Madhouse. It matters because it matters to Bobby Allison. To me, it's so important, you know. And uh, what happened in that deal, uh, for a while, uh, as I remember it, the race was in the record book. And then it went out of the record book, and I thought they gave the win to Richard Petty. And quite honestly, the Pope's not going to take a race away from Richard Petty, <laughs> and so it's gone forever. But if they didn't give it to Richard Petty, then I did win the race, and, and I should get the win. Here's another point of contention. There are those who justify Bobby not getting the win because he was in a Grand American entry that night at Bowman Gray. Look at the results from that race and the Grand American cars did seem to have an advantage. However, that reasoning doesn't hold up either. Tiny Lund won the Grand American title in 1968 and 1970, and then capped off a third title run in that series in 1971 with wins at Hickory and North Wilkesboro. Both were combination events with the Grand National Series, just like Bowman Gray had been. And in both... Tiny was driving a Grand American Camaro. Tiny receives credit for Grand National victories at Hickory and North Wilkesboro, but Bobby does not for the race at Bowman Gray. No matter how you look at it, that ain't right. So what's the problem? Why doesn't Bobby Allison get credit for that victory? To hear Bobby Allison tell it, it's not just a mere oversight. Not sure. It's a. Per, it's got to be a personal situation where somebody chose to punish me by this method mm-hmm. for something that I did, something I said, or somebody's toes that I stepped on somewhere, or something. And um, really feel that it was Bill French Jr. That, that made the decision, and I'm really disappointed that that I did something somewhere that that irritated him that bad that he would have to get vindictive about it because the man did so much for for NASCAR and so much for racing and so much for all of us his whole career. And certainly I had my arguments with him, but what I did is I kept him on his toes. You know, I stayed within the rules <laughs> yeah. with everything except the one thing with the roller tappets at Ontario. And I did that because I had seen roller tappets in somebody else's car the week before and and get shrugged off like, well, that was okay. 1974, Winston Cup at Ontario, California Motor Speedway. Bobby Allison was driving for Roger Penske. Bobby did get fined $9,100 for running illegal roller tappets during his victory in the 1974 Winston Cup season finale at Ontario Motor Speedway in Southern California. Allison then was home free. It would be one of four wins for the Allison Penske team. Hurry back, Bobby. We want to see you again in victory lane. According to legend, Bill France Jr. came up with the figure of $9,100 
because 9100 was the tail number on NASCAR's airplane. So Bobby fudged on the rolls a little bit. So what? Every single competitor who has ever walked through the gates of a NASCAR garage area has at least attempted to bend the rolls at one time or another. Bobby Allison was no different. So that can't be the culprit behind the 84-85 debate. There is this. There's no other way to put it. Bobby Allison could be stubborn when he wanted to be, and he could rock the boat with the very best of them. It didn't matter who, either. If Bobby felt he'd been wronged, he said so. And because of that, he ruffled plenty of feathers over the years. NASCAR, team owners, other drivers. Sometimes, he took on all three groups at once. The command of fire engines has been given in Oxit Road. 40 automobiles come to life. Here as we get set for the $300,000. Napa National 500. For instance, the year before Bobby was nabbed with the illegal roller tappets, he protested the finish of the National 500 at Charlotte before the race even started. So Cale Yarbrough continues to lead by a one-lap margin over Bobby Allison. Daryl Waltrip is in third position. He is two laps off the pitch. Convinced that something fishy was going on, he put up money to have the car driven by Cale Yarbrough and owned by Junior Johnson, as well as those driven by Richard Petty, David Pearson, and Charlie Glatzbach inspected after the race. Bobby had gone through an acrimonious split with Junior just the year before. So Charlotte? Eh, that might have been a little bit of a payback. David Pearson and Charlie Glotzbach were involved in a crash early on, so they were gone long before the end of the race. Cale Yarbrough sticks his hand out the window and acknowledges the checkered flag in this Napa National 500. Yarbrough wins the event. Well, Cale won the race. Richard Petty in the STP effort finishes in second with Richard in second place. The only other car on the lead lap when the checkered flag failed. Bobby Allison finished third, three laps down. Things got really interesting following a lengthy inspection process. Teardown went, went on for quite a while, and you know, people began to get a little bit restless and making comments and so forth. And finally, probably four hours after the teardown thing began... Joe Epton came out and made the remark as he came through the door. He says, Petty's engine was way, way too big, and Kale's was a whopper. <laughs> <clears throat> I thought for sure they'd come out and say, well, the engines were too big, and so they're disqualified. But instead they said, we're, we're sending results for to Daytona. We'll give a report tomorrow. So I loaded up and went home. The next day, I got the information that NASCAR had said that the post-race inspection proved that the pre-race inspection was inadequate, but the results <laughs> still stood. Here's how far Bobby and his attorney were willing to take things. The last race of the year was scheduled for Rockingham, not Atlanta, as we discussed in the following clips. Wherever that event might have been, the finale was in jeopardy because of what had taken place at Charlotte or what didn't take place at Charlotte. I was really, really irate about it. You know, it's, I challenged uh, Bill France Jr. because by then he was running the thing, you know, and it had gone to Daytona to be in his lap. 
he put me off and I went and met with a, a friend of mine and asked, you know, what kind of recourse I had. He said, well, it appears to me that if the next race gets run, you know, you have no recourse. If you go run the race, which you're planning on running, the next race was going to be Atlanta. He said, you're planning on running Atlanta. If you go run the race without getting this resolved, you don't have any recourse. I said, well, what do I do? And and he he was into legal stuff and politics and everything. And he he said, uh, get an injunction against the race going on in Atlanta until this thing is resolved. Wow. (laughs) I had to really do uh, some, some traveling around to do that. I finally found a judge, I think, in Fort Myers, Florida or Tampa or somewhere that that would write me the restraining injunction, flew back into Atlanta, determined to do this, and then said, no, this just isn't right. You know, I can't stop this race because this race, NASCAR racing still is so good and so important and it affects so many other people. And so I just chose not to, not to enforce the injunction. So you had the paperwork in hand? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. I, I had it at my disposal. Bobby Allison and Bill France Jr. had a sit-down, come-to-Jesus meeting in Atlanta a week later. The Rockingham event went on as scheduled. Well, I told them, you know, that that we were really working hard to ra- to race and race within the rules and, and to honor the the regulations. And uh, he he promised me that that he would straighten it out and that you know that that he'd get rid of the skirting the rules like they were doing, you know, and I accepted that. There's always been a rumor that Bobby got a little bit of money from France that day, but nobody's ever confirmed it. Personally, I believe the issue of denying Bobby Allison his 85th win can be traced back, at least in part, to the Charlotte incident. But who am I to speculate? Regardless, the point is clear. When Bobby Allison thought he was right, watch out. Heaven knows Charlotte was only one of the rounds he had with Richard Petty and Cal Yarbrough over the years. Remember, according to Bobby, the Pope's not going to take a race away from Richard Petty. And then there was the fight with Cal after the 1979 Daytona 500. But one-on-one, racing with anybody he'd ever gone up against, who would Bobby most like to have beaten? He didn't even hesitate. There's only one person who stands head and shoulders above all the rest when it comes to Bobby Allison's rivals. Uh, Darrell Walter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, we we started out with a pretty good friendship, and then uh, as he uh, began to have some success in, in uh, cup racing, uh, our friendship trailed off a little bit and, and then became quite a rivalry. If for no other reason than to prove that God has a sense of humor, Bobby Allison and Daryl Waltrip are both officially credited with 84 wins. Find the inside move. Bobby Allison holds him off. They come to the strike. And the winner of the 30th annual Great American Race, Bobby Allison. Dave Allison is son in second. This is 84. Right now, NASCAR has me and the record books is tied with him for wins when actually there's one race in the NASCAR record book that has no winner. And I did win that race, and someday I will get credit. 
There was a time early in their careers when Bobby and Daryl were friends, according to DW. Bobby and Judy, his wife at the time, uh, and Stevie and I, we became great friends. Everything I know about a race car, I learned from Bobby Allison. Time and success have a way of driving a wedge between acquaintances on and off the racetrack. Bobby and Daryl were friends until they weren't. I feel this this way, and I think probably most guys do. As long as I'm not having to compete against you, we're great friends. But as soon as I have to start, as soon as I have to start dealing with you on a weekly basis, and you're trying to take bread off my table, I'm not so sure we're friends anymore. And that's kind of what happened to Bobby and I. Little incident here, little incident there. Uh, I beat Bobby at Darlington in '77. Uh, asked him uh, under coming to get the caution flag in Richard and David all wrecked, and I beat him back to the line. He didn't like that. And, so just kind of, I just all of a sudden started rubbing Bobby the wrong way, and pretty soon, the first thing you know, uh, you know, we're not friends anymore. We're we're like enemies. Bobby Allison has the lead. Bobby Allison, who won this race, and we've got a big mix-up up in turn number four. We got cars all over the racetrack in turn number four as Allison jumps into the lead and gets into the yellow flag. Is out. There was Darlington in 77. A couple of years later, they had another infamous run-in at North Wilkesboro. They rubbed, and Bobby booted Daryl into a spin and crash. After repairs, Daryl made it his mission in life to make sure Bobby didn't gain ground on eventual winner, Benny Parson. Daryl was black flagged twice. Bill Gazaway, NASCAR's competition director, was so incensed that he came down out of the control tower and personally black flagged Daryl. In a very real sense, the points Daryl lost as a result of the run-in with Bobby cost him the 1979 Winston Cup Championship. Daryl then bested Bobby for the 1981 and 82 Winston Cup crowns by a total of 125 points. Stories look fashion. Bobby Allison won the battle five laps later. Daryl Waltrip came home the winner of the war. It was finally over. No more proving himself for Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip had arrived. According to Daryl, this is the conversation he had with Bill French Jr. over the issue of Bobby's 85th win. I mean, I've heard the story about how you won the race in a baby grand or in a grand, grand American. American. Yeah. But he won that race, but he did, he won it in a car that wasn't supposed to be in that race. I told Bill one time, I said, Bill, just give him credit for the win. <laughs> he complains about it all the time. Just give it to him. I don't really care. It doesn't really matter to me. Bill put his arm around me like Bill could do. And then he said, listen, you don't have to worry about that. He ain't never getting credit for that race. And so, that's, that's the way it's always been. And, you know, how can two guys that are started out great friends and then ended up being great co- competing against each other and not liking each other so much <laughs> be tied with 84 <laughs> wins? Seems kind of ironic to me. 
I'm sure. I think it's funny. I don't know if Bobby does. Take Bill France out of the equation, and we're left with this. Darrell says he would be okay with Bobby being credited with that 85th win. He would be okay with the tie being broken. Nothing would change the fact that both men are in the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Bobby Allison's 85 wins does not diminish Darrell's career in the least. The bottom line is this. Life has not been kind to Bobby Allison at times. He endured a career-ending accident in Pocono in 1988, and it left him with injuries that linger to this day. CNN Sports. Veteran NASCAR racer Bobby Allison listed in critical but stable condition in a Pennsylvania hospital tonight. Allison was injured in a wreck on the first lap of today's Miller 500 at Pocono International Raceway. Reports on Allison's condition have His son Clifford died in 1992 as the result of a racing accident. Less than a year later, Davey suffered fatal injuries in a crash of the helicopter he was piloting. Bobby later divorced and then remarried his wife, Judy, who died in 2015. Bobby Allison has already paid dearly for whatever past transgressions he might or might not have committed many, many times over. Righting the wrong of not crediting Bobby Allison with that 85th win whether the slight was in fact intentional or simply perceived is the least somebody somewhere could do for Bobby Allison. Bobby Allison's is a glorious white knuckle God fearing spun out and half turned over racing story. Have an idea for a glorious racing story? Share it with us by emailing glorious at dirtymomedia.com. Glorious Racing Stories is a production of Dirty Mo Media, hosted by me, Rick Houston. This show is produced by Andrew Curland. Executive producers, Mike Davis and Jason Schultz. Artwork is by Sean Sin. Special thanks to Leah Vaughn. Broadcast audio is credited to MRN, NBC, CBS, and ABC. This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Check out Dirty Mo Media. YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo. Dirty Mo.